Hi everyone and welcome to the Private Practice with Soul podcast. This is the first podcast for counsellors that just don't align with the traditional approaches to business and that want to use their spiritual gifts, talents and interests to create, you guessed it, a private practice with soul. So look, leave it to me to provide you with everything you need, including strategies that you can use to increase your income, reduce your workload and of course increase inquiries and referrals to your beautiful soul-led private practice. I love it so much. If you haven't done it already, grab your journal, grab your pen and let's begin. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. I hope that you're all excited for the weekend. I know here, Gabe and I are getting excited for a big day of relaxing in the shade because it's going to be 37 degrees. 37. Ah, It's kind of reminding me of when I was living in Arabia. Um, We would work in Egypt, um, especially we were working and they had a rule that said that Uh, if it got to 50 degrees it would be tools down and one of the things that we used to giggle about was that although it would feel like 50 it was only ever reported as reaching a maximum of 49 (laughs) so funny but I mean you get heat in the desert right (laughs) and you get dust storms in fact I remember being in I, I lived in this apartment. It was called the Sama 2 building. Um, I'd say it's still there and it was in Sharjah. Um, Sharjah is one of the seven emirates. And it's a really, 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 really strict emirate as well when it comes to, um, you know, the, the uh, religion and the beliefs and, and the laws that govern that emirate. Um, but anyway, I remembered that like there are, I forget how to say the word, is it marinettes? Um on, on the corner of every single block um, that do the cold prayer. And it's quite an adjustment to get used to when, you know, it's a bit of a culture shock when you first go there because it's so loud and they do it over the great big speakers so that everybody can hear um, and then everybody knows, oh, it's time to pray. And um, it's really yeah, a big adjustment initially if you're not used to it. Sorry, just whack my microphone. Um, but by the end of living there, I came to really value it and really appreciate it. So something that started off as very different and strange and new and unfamiliar became familiar and comfortable and something that um, I felt very, very secure with, as did a lot of my travels. So for years, I lived in the Middle East because I just felt a connection. I can't, I still can't put my finger on it. Um, but I just felt such a connection. You know, lots of people, they say, oh, I'm going to Germany. I'm going to, <laughs> you know, France, da, 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 da. I'm going to the UK. Well, I did those things too, but I never felt as home as I did in the Middle East for some reason. And, uh, I spent four years living and traveling, um, to all different countries, uh, Lebanon, I really loved and Jordan I really loved and and Egypt was my my very very favorite it was just a bustling community where the city just 
sleeps sort of during the morning um but it's up all night and it's so noisy and it's just this beautiful percussion of traffic of horns honking of people talking and laughing of tea glasses clinking Uh, it's a heady smell of um you know shisha and no not the bad shisha it's just scented tobacco and um i used to have shisha as well and it was so beautiful to just be so immersed in somebody else's culture but it just felt like my own like I could navigate my way around there so easily and I remember um one of the big things and I'm going off on a tangent sorry but just enjoy the ride (laughs) but I remember that I was um so excited to go and see the pyramids because I growing up here in Australia right um I didn't obviously we didn't have the internet back then but I had National Geographic and I only ever remembered seeing posters of pyramids at school and in encyclopedias at home and stuff like that and I only ever saw pictures of one pyramid and one sphinx you know and I was so surprised because when I went to Egypt I was like yeah I want to go and see the pyramid and uh, there's like a lot of pyramids and my 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 driver was saying well which one do you want to go to miss and I was like um <laughs> the 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 main one <laughs> and when I got there it was so not what I expected because well you know this is not very spiritual but like when I got there it was not what I expected like um it's kind of in the middle of a city and well it's not far from the city like you can see it from the city and you go there and um there's a it's like the cyclone fencing around it and you can get horses and donkeys and you can you can ride around that the perimeter of it and things like that but there's a road um adjacent to the pyramid and on that road there's like a kfc a kfc Oh, I did not expect that. And there were a few little shops where you could get souvenirs and things. Um, It was really on the edge of town, kind of where, you know, we might expect an airport to be. It was was kind of like that sort of edge of town. Um, And there was a lot of rubbish around it and everything. And I, I just remember feeling kind of like sad when I got there because, in my mind, um, I, I had this picture from growing up of what a pyramid looked like and it was all, I didn't know at the time, obviously, but it had been photoshopped. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when when I was there, I, I went to, like, the main pyramids, but I really enjoyed going to the other pyramids and there was a pyramid um, – in Saqqara and it was it it didn't look like anything from the top right it was just well it's desert and there were um, ropes and I could see a little bit of a point coming up but the point wasn't that high and then there were Egyptians and they were standing there and they were guarding the the, um, pyramid and they said that you could go inside, but you couldn't take photos or anything like that. Um, and it was like a dollar to, to go in. And I just remembered being so curious and I started to walk down and the handrail, if you like, was sort of rope. And almost like I walked about a meter in and I had to, you have to duck down because the uh, entrance is so low. So you kind of, you almost hunched over. And then all of a sudden it's like this really steep, descent descent I would 
it was so bizarre. But anyway, so you go down, 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 down. It's so steep. And yeah, the stairs at the beginning and then there's no stairs and it's just like kind of a ramp and you're just going down. I don't know how far down we were, but um, I can tell you to this day, I can remember the smell in the air. The air was so cool and the air was so comforting and the air was not damp or anything like that it was like a dry cool and there was a scent in there and I don't know whether it was um, incense it smelled a little bit more like oud I don't know if that was because of what had been buried in that tomb um, in that pyramid with somebody or if it was the smell because um Oud is a very popular fragrance um, and essence in the Middle East. So it could have been just a lingering effect from what other Egyptians had been, you know, wearing when they'd gone into that space. But anyway, so you go in there and then all of a sudden, like you crouch down, almost squatting down to get in. And then you get in and you can stand up and then there's this great big, great big um, triangle above you like an apex and there are a couple of sides that you can go to and well it's like divided into rooms and so I went into the room on the right and I looked up and do you know it had been painted black and there were etchings of white stars white stars and the Egyptian who was um you know who was there guarding it explained to me that um that was because they wanted whoever was you know resting there to be able to feel like they were connected with the heavens above and I just thought that was so beautiful and the the star etchings kind of looked like um ones you would do if you were very young you know it was just a, a very simple it was like an addition sign overlaid with a multiplication sign that was it that was how the stars were and I don't even know how they got that black paint down there, but they did. And it was just so, and I remembered because it wasn't a high, we didn't have much ceiling space. And I remember laying down in the sand in this floor of, you know, the pyramid and just looking up and just having nothing but awe and appreciation and yeah, just really awe thinking, wow, this is history right here. This is so special right here. And then I went into uh, the adjacent room and in the adjacent room uh, there were paintings and it was explained to me that all the different people, so you, you can imagine, you've seen it on TV, you know, there's the um, pictures of like the profiles of, of um, people walking and holding trays with things. And anyway, um, it was explained to me that one of the people that was holding things was like the royal manicurist. And they didn't use that word at the time but that's what his job was his job was to like decorate the nails and um he was holding a tray and the guide in the pyramid was able to explain to me what everything was on the tray and then there was another um male they're all males um there was another male depicted and it was they were like life-size paintings right and so the, the next one was somebody and he was wearing like a, it looked like a skirt. I know it's not the very technical name or anything, but it looked like he was wearing a skirt and he was carrying a tray and it had bottles on it and he was the royal anointer and he used to go and make special anointing 
oil mixes, I guess, like essential oils. Um, but he used to um, make special oil mixes and they were not only ceremonial, but they were for everyday use to support the health and well-being of the person who was in the, um, you know, who'd been passed over and was in this tomb. Um but that was his job. And, you know, I was able to learn that um, some of the oils were made, you know, by using heat. Um, some of the oils were made by using weight. So like actually pressing things together. Um, and yeah, it was like really a thing. And the Egyptians really believed in that. And then I found other pictures where uh, they'd been worshipping like the the sun and there were um great scenes of like the sun and the nile and um animals on the nile you know near the water and everything and it was explained to me about how they really um tried to work with the rhythms of the seasons and i just remember thinking this is so cool because i was still learning about spirituality and um this was a new concept to me, the idea of working with the seasons. And it wasn't only for harvesting, it was in their um, business, it was with their technology, it was with their families. Um, do you know what I mean? And it, it was just such an experience. And I learned so much from being in the Saqqara tomb. And oh, I just, I didn't want to come home, honestly. Like I could have just stayed in that tomb all day long. And then guess what? I had to leave. And so, you know, I go back up the, um, the, the dirty ramp and then back up the steep stairs, doubled over, um, finally get out into the daylight. And I can just remember being so stunned by the sun and, and everything there. And also, I was just so yeah in awe of it. And I went down and I wrote about it in my diary over the road at... KFC because <laughs> that was the only place I could get a table so um anyway it was really an experience to learn and to appreciate how things were done then and I wanted to go back so a couple of weeks later I wanted to go back and do you think I could find that tomb I found so many other pyramids so many other pyramids um yep couldn't find that one ever again so I feel like maybe that one was gifted to me and it was the time for me to see it and it was the time for me to take a lesson but one of the things that I did learn about with that um Saqqara tomb the Saqqara tomb the Saqqara pyramid was about a belief that the Egyptians had back then that we now call the law of divine correspondence which is believing that there's a connection between the spiritual and the physical realm and what they used to believe was that um you know the the sun gods and the weather gods and um you know if if you believed in in that uh, then you would see the physical manifestation things in your world like in your 3d reality and so they really believed in this and you know we don't necessarily refer to it in that way today i think in 
modern day times, we would probably be um, saying, well, you know what, it's that whole idea of as above, so below, you know, that spiritual with the with the here on earth stuff or the as within, so without. And so I think using that as um, you know, when we apply that to the business of business, when we apply that to the business of private practice, I just feel like we've received an, an opportunity to continue the work that was done historically by Egyptians thousands of years ago. And it just lights me up so much. I just think, wow, there really is this lineage here. Um, whether people are aware of it or not, there, there really is and it continues to this day. And I just feel like that is something so powerful. And if it's endured for this long, then um, of course I want to try and apply it now in these times. I mean, they were applying it to their work then, which just looked a little bit different to our work now. So thinking about as with in so without and as above so below and how that applies to business I guess for me what that means is whatever I believe right that's my in whatever I believe is what I'm going to receive my without right the external so I've got the internal with my beliefs and my values and the external is what's actually showing up for me in my business and I want to give you an example of um, you know in real world terms of what that can look like so if I believed that um, it was going to be difficult for me to start a private practice and if I believed I needed to have all my ducks in a row before I could see clients like if I had an if this then that mindset then what I would be seeing in my external world is obstacles to me being able to move into my private practice I would be seeing more things that I needed to do so that or before I can take that next step to book in a client but can you see that if I change my internal world and I change, say, a thought or I change a belief and I say, well, actually, maybe I don't need to have everything sorted out. Maybe I can start seeing clients while I'm building a website. Maybe I can start receiving clients just from a Psychology Today profile or um, do you know what I mean? Then what you're going to start to see on the external is you'll start to see opportunities for you to work with people and you'll start to see opportunities to, um, you know, receive a, a client and start the therapeutic process with them. So this is just an example. And I guess I know I'm putting it in super simple terms here, but it comes back to one of the main themes of, you know, creating a private practice with soul and what that actually means. And that is, you know, when you're connected to your higher consciousness, when you're connected to your higher self, when you're connected to that, that inner wisdom, when you're connected to the within, that's what, that's when you then start to manage, control, direct what you're going to experience in the without, right, in the external. So I'd love for you to, you know, grab your podcast journal and when you're ready, maybe start to just write down how what you're seeing in your private practice at the moment that you would like to be different. Maybe it's the number of clients, maybe it's the number of inquiries, for example, um, and maybe it's you want to have a new team member. 
Maybe it's you want to sign a lease on that new building or whatever it is. And I, I want you to write that down and then be honest with yourself and write down what's coming up for you on the inside. Like, what are you believing about this? Are you saying to yourself, this is going to be hard? This is going to be tricky. This will never happen for me. Um, it's going to take a long time. Um, there's no such thing as da 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 da. Like, just write it down because that's going to be a window into the solution for you and that's where the gold is so write it down no one's going to see it just you but write it down and you will start to see a correspondence between what you're believing and what you're experiencing so all we want to do once we have that awareness is ask ourselves you know how do I want to change his belief do I want to change the belief because sometimes we we have to remember as well sometimes changing a belief is super scary because we get in the place of it being really familiar of stagnation in the business for example um like uh, I'm constantly posting on my social media and I don't get any engagement uh, over time that becomes what's familiar so when we say let's change that belief to something like every day I reach more people or um, every day I know when I post I've got my silent audience listening to me so I'll keep doing it or something like that sometimes changing that belief can bring up other things like uh oh I'm not ready what if I get inundated with referrals what if my diary suddenly fills up and then I don't have the the freedom of my time anymore so that's why doing this inner work is so helpful and so important so um, if there's an opportunity and you're ready or you're open to changing a belief maybe now is the time for you to do that because once that happens for you then you'll start to see change in the you know real world and the other thing too is like that idea of as as above so below you know what whatever you're saying to yourself in in your ego mind is what you're going to see but I want you to to start tuning into a higher mind that's what it's referred to it's not my words but a higher mind like your higher conscious um your higher self I, I want you to start to tune into that loving voice there for guidance around what could change for you what aligned action you could take to experience some changes in the external and I feel like this is this is the key. This is the key. And you know what? It's not like any single one of us came up with this idea. This is just knowledge that has been passed on for thousands of years. And we're just using this knowledge now in the context of what's relevant for us now, you know, private practice. And hey, I don't know, like I wonder if Egyptians even had private practice back then. I'm sure they had healers. We know that they had healers and we know that they had medicine people, but um, I guess they were all running their businesses, weren't they? It'd be an interesting, maybe I'll do some research on the business of, you know, doctoring <laughs> back in Egyptian times and, and the approaches that they took. But a lot of it was based on seasons and that whole idea of rhythm. And we've discussed that before as well and understanding that whatever you see in, you know, your practice out there in your 3D reality is um, 
also indicative of the season that your business may be in at that particular time. And one of the other, I could talk about this all day long, but one of the other things that I learned when I was in Egypt was about the importance of ritual. And in fact, in Marketing with Soul with the ladies in there last week, we went through how to create rituals and, um, you know, the elements of a powerful and effective ritual. And, you know, I'm so excited to see the rituals that, that they come up with to support them in their um, business with the different aspects of the business that they wanted to focus on for 2023. But yeah, we even see um, rituals with Egyptian business and that was um, rituals again around the weather and it was mostly around the sun it was mostly around harvesting it was mostly around family um, all those sorts of things and understanding that there are going to be quiet times and times of growth and da, da 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 and they had a whole way of you know showing up in these different seasons they didn't get upset because it was winter you know they just said okay it's winter and this is what we do in the winter season so this is one of the things that I really love about us now all being able to create a private practice with soul it's just so 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 special to me that we get this opportunity to continue a lineage of um, beliefs and continue a lineage of openness and expansion and I really 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 love the integration that the Egyptians had between their spiritual beliefs and their work and so that's why I wanted to share this episode with you today actually um, just to let you know like this is nothing new um, I'm not teaching you anything new or original here these are ancient ideas what I'm teaching you is how they're relevant today and how you can work with them today so that we can understand the role of things like our devices or our technology or social media um, has in terms of us being able to fully embody the ideas of the past so much fun don't you just feel so connected and don't you just feel like part of something bigger when you think about it in this way and in this context um i love it so much okay so it is saturday morning as i said i'm going to sign off now i will record another episode though uh so you've got one for wednesday because it's my I was going to say annual, but it's not annual. It's my quarterly trip away. Um, I'm taking leave. Well, I'm on leave now, actually, and I'm away from Monday to Friday. So not seeing any clients, not doing any of the stuff. I think I've got a Marketing with Soul call, which I will show up for on Thursday. But other than that, um, I'm just downing tools and I'm going to go back to Dalesford and spend some lovely time there and I've booked into a float um, in Ballarat so I'm super excited for that and um, I can't wait to to see what it's like somewhere else um, and yeah I'm just so excited to go and take some time away because that's where I feel inspired like it's meant to be relaxing time but I always come back feeling inspired and um, full of energy and 
<laughs> I'm so excited to go and do that. And yeah, Gabe is going to Caroline's place. So she's his babysitter. She's been his babysitter for like 10 years. Um, and he doesn't know that he's going to spend some time with her. But it's so funny because when I go to pick him up from there, sometimes he doesn't want to come home and he walks backwards when I go to get him from the front door. He's excited to see me. And then um, Caroline will go and get the lead. And then he puts two and two together and he's like, no, I'm not going. I'm staying here at my friend's place. I don't want to come home. And he walks backwards. <laughs> One time, Caroline even had to, uh, when I came back from Trekking Everest, Carol, um, Gabe had been with Caroline for two weeks just over two weeks and oh three weeks actually and um when I, when I went to pick him up he really didn't want to come home and he just sat and he refused to like I was trying to pull him on his lead and his neck was just like coming forward a little bit when I was gently tugging on it saying come on let's go let's go he was like no I'm not doing it and Caroline had to pick him up and bring him out to the car and he was just like a dead weight literally he was just flopping in her hands every time she took a step to come out to the car and then when I brought him home he like wouldn't look at me and he wouldn't talk to me for like two days um yeah sometimes he loves it when I go and pick him up and other times he's like no I love it here but I'm just pleased that he's got somewhere that he loves to go and he grew up with her family with her um with Caroline's um, son and daughter. So when Gabe first started going there, they were in primary school and now they're at university. And um, sometimes the children like to, when they know that Gabe's going over there, um, sometimes the children will, you know, take a day and they will go over and spend it with Gabe and because I've moved out of home and all of that and so it just feels so nice to know that even the kids love Gabe so much and that they want to spend time with him and they give up a day of their weekend to come home to their mum and dad and, and Gabe and they send me pictures of you know taking Gabe out for you know puppuccinos and stuff and it's just oh it's so lovely um but you know what I miss him stacks when I'm away like I want to message Caroline all the time and say how is he what's he doing send me a photo <laughs> yep I'm that mum <laughs> so I really have to try and hold back um but anyway I don't know why I'm telling you that but I'll let you go but the the purpose of the episode today was really just to share with you that there is history to the way that you get to show up in your private practice and I really believe I know some people have a hard time with this but I really believe that maybe we're not healers I believe that we support people to heal themselves um, but I, I think that the way that we do that has a history and I think that we can see that history and we can absolutely have appreciation for that history and this is an opportunity for us to understand that history more and really connect it in with how we want to show up in our businesses now in terms of as above so below as within um, so without you know performing those good deeds making the positive impact on the people that really need us having a, a really clear vision and purpose for our practice that aligns with our beliefs practicing gratitude and mindfulness and being guided by integrity and honesty and treating people with fairness and, and respect and um, all those beautiful things and developing you know opportunities for our own personal growth but our professional growth and the growth of people who come into our space um you know and just making sure that um like 
the Egyptians did, as we're talking about in the context of today's episode, having a business that operates not only sustainably, but ethically. And I just think it's it's so, 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 so special that we get to experience this, don't you? Anyway, I will let you go and have a beautiful, beautiful weekend if you are in Melbourne. Um, Please stay nice and hydrated and and pop yourself under a tree and use all your sunscreen and stuff like that. Be safe and happy and well, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks. Bye. I hope that you loved this episode as much as I loved putting it together for you. To get more resources to help you in your private practice, head over to Instagram. My handle is at the private practice coach. And also, if you want more inquiries and referrals for your business, let me know. I have a program called Clients on Demand that opens every quarter, and I can absolutely get you some information for that as well. You are doing an amazing job. Thank you for sharing your gifts with the world. Bye.